Filibuster is supported through Patreon by listeners like you. Check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster. We also get support from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia. They handle workplace discrimination, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, and a whole lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Um, and while I didn't want a chicken sandwich, I didn't feel like a sandwich. Um, I did kind of want some fried chicken. Um, so I went to one of the companies that provides that, uh, not the one that has supported homophobia, uh, financially, uh, and not the one that apparently their parent company donated to the president. Uh, but another one, uh, a third one, you could probably figure it out. Um, so I went to, um, their restaurant and I got myself some chicken and I was driving home and the last like mile uh, of the drive to my house, there's a road that's been built up on either side, but there isn't a shoulder. Uh, It used to not be, it used to just be a little back road and now it's been built up a little more, but they haven't built a shoulder. And this is important because as I was driving home with the windows down, because it's summertime, uh, I leaned back in my chair a little bit, my, or my uh, seat, I guess, weird to call uh, uh, the place where you were sitting in a, a car, a chair. Um, but I leaned back and all of a sudden I felt like a little bit of a you know, pain on my back. And I was like, oh, maybe I have like a, like a little body hair that's caught in my shirt and it pulled or something. So I kind of like shifted around for a second and it, the pain intensified. It got worse. And I was like, that's Uh-oh. not good. This is real bad. So now I'm sitting you know, straight, I straightened my back out, which is the first thing that you do when your back hurts, even though it doesn't really help. Um, um, and I'm like, no, this is a skin level problem. This isn't bones or muscles. This is a skin problem. Something's happening to the skin on my back and it, it hurts. It's not getting better. Um, but I'm also in a moving vehicle that I am piloting. So I'm sitting straight and slowly driving my car through the neighborhood to get to my house. Uh, so I get out and I, I get out of the car and I stand up and turn around and there's a wasp oh. dead on the seat. Uh, I guess I must have le- it must have gotten down in there and I must have leaned back and it um, stung me multiple times. And then, oh. uh, yeah, so I got stung on the back by a wasp at least twice, possibly three times. It's hard to tell. Um, at least you murdered and- it in the process. I guess I I got revenge, but I you know you don't you don't necessarily go around looking to lose those fights or or you know come out uh, with them getting a few good shots in I guess, um, and, but that is how it played out. Uh, so yeah, the wasp uh, stung me up good, uh, like next to the right shoulder blade basically. Uh, so that's cool. Um, <laughs> I ate my chicken and then lay down on an ice pack for. Uh, 15 minutes to try and get the swelling to go down and then it was time to do this show was the chicken still good it was fine uh it, it could have been maybe a little i kind of liked a um a crispier uh skin than i got like this maybe needed mm. a, you know maybe 30 seconds longer in the fryer okay. um but you know it was still pretty good um it still did the job it still uh scratched the itch so to speak uh 
Though maybe in retrospect, if I had known it would have come with being stung in the back several times, I would have been like, ah, I, maybe I can just find something that I've already got. Um, <laughs> but I guess that's the price we pay. It's not just in cash anymore. It's also uh, flora and fauna will strike back at you. Um, but uh, I guess with that out of the way, uh, and speaking of flora and fauna, goat, goat, welcome, goat. Uh, this is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Uh, Adam was going to be here uh, and then ran into uh, some problems. Uh, he has requested that we denigrate uh, Verizon DSL. So Verizon DSL, uh, you're terrible. Uh, your DMs suck and uh, you should be thrown in the trash. Um, <laughs> uh, in Never DSL if you don't have to. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think Adam might have to. I think that I might think be so. one of those um, unfortunate internet monopoly situations for him. Um, but uh, in any case, they're trash. Um, and we're going to try – I mean, we found this out as we were trying to start the show. Adam tried to call in on the phone. That didn't work either. The He was cutting out too much, so – Probably also a us. Verizon problem. Yeah, probably. Um, or maybe he's in some sort of, like, communications black uh, – or, like, a triangle, like a Bermuda triangle, but for communications. Uh, oh, and. He said in, he was going to the mountains, so maybe he went to the oh, uh, that's right, the the radio oh. free zone in West Virginia. Okay, well, let's assume that that's where he went. Um, without uh, he did mention the mountains. I do not know where or what mountains. So let's assume that Ben is talking about the correct mountains, um, and Adam went to an internet free area, and so this is actually his fault. Um, I had forgotten this completely. Um, we are gonna do our best uh normally adam prepares the show structure or tells one of us to do it well in advance and uh you know we found out maybe 10 minutes ago that he was gonna be on um so we're gonna try to do a show of some kind uh god help us and god help you uh the listener <laughs> um, uh i guess i guess that's all i have to say for preamble uh but i guess we do have our traditions that need to be kept ben what are you drinking I'm drinking a nice glass of Canada Dry ginger ale because all of today I was only allowed to drink things that are clear. And so that included uh, homemade chicken stock and jello. So it's been a real great time for me today. I'm very hungry. Yeah, that's not um, that's not my idea of fun. Nope. Um, it takes me back to having jaw surgery and. Uh... They never, there was never a clear things uh, edict, but it was definitely like, do you like solids? And like, yes. Like, well, you're not going to have it for quite a while. Um, good luck. Yeah, this was better than the last time I had to do this because mm-hmm. last time I had to do this, I thought like, oh, Italian ices, those sound good. Uh, maybe that'll be something tastier than Jello or chicken broth. And at least the kind of uh, Italian ices you can find at Kroger are very bad. Oh, really? Yeah, interesting. And it, it, it was, they only had like one brand, or maybe it was Food Lion because mm-hmm. the Kroger was too far away. But regardless, they had one brand that was like had some faux Italian man on the front. Okay. And this sounds like the brand that is at most stores. Yeah, um, then it's bad. Okay. Um, I can't remember their name, but I, I feel like now I've started to see a variety of Italian ices. But there was a stretch of time there where, uh. If I went to any grocery store that I live near in the multiple places I've lived, it was always like, if I want Italian ice, I'm buying the one brand and I cannot remember the name of it at all. It's just the the brand of Italian ice. It has 
Right, uh, with the Italian man on it. It has an Italian man. It has a, an, a traditionally Italian name, uh, though I guarantee that company is just, you know, some horrible industrial packing oh, plant sure. in a, some, in, um, you know, mixed zone industry uh, hellscape um, rather than a nice a nice old Italian family trying to, um, you know, craft fruit flavors and, and ice together in a, a pleasant texture and flavor. Um it probably comes out of a tube or a cannon of some kind. Jason. Yeah. It's called Luigi's. Luigi's. Okay, so it's probably the first Italian name they could think of. <laughs> right. um, there was probably uh, all of 30 seconds spent on this. Like, what are we making? Italian ice. Like, well, how are we going to get people to buy it? Like, well, if if it has, like, an Italian name, you mean, like, Luigi's? Like, perfect. Done. <laughs> let's move on to our next food product. We're not even, let's not even discuss this any further. Um. Anyway, if the people that make Luigi's Italian Ice want to sponsor us, <laughs> email us at <laughs> why would you podcast at gmail dot com and and I'll I'll eat your product in the dead of winter. I'll I'll just sit here eating Italian ice and I I don't know I don't know what I'll drink with it, but we'll figure that out once you're sponsoring us. <laughs> um, I uh, am keeping it real simple. I have a can of DC Brows the Public. Uh, I went looking for um beers that i hadn't had before but i was absent-minded and ended up walking into a liquor store that is mostly a wine store they're, they're very focused on wine they don't have much of a beer selection and i only realized it once i was standing there and i didn't feel like stopping anywhere else so yeah. um i bought something that i knew would be good uh and that's how it got here okay. um, i mean it's always a good one yeah it's a solid beer uh so you know it's not a new discovery but at least i know it's not bad like Luigi's Italian Ice. Uh, yeah. Uh, we were, this keeps coming up now, Italian Ice. Um, Steven Streff was talking about having Italian Ice, but he, he was disappointed that the ones that you buy in the store don't come with the wooden spoon that you used to get in school. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, uh, it, though, you know, a wooden spoon actually isn't very good. Um, right. I mean, to, to get the same experience. Like <laughs> right. To get the same experience, you could just go to uh, the drugstore and get those tongue depressors. Yeah, that's that's the way to do it. There, I'll I'll make sure to tell I'll I'll make sure to tell him to do that, and then be disappointed if he doesn't follow through and do it. Yes, um, Streff, we demand a picture. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get yourself some Italian ice, preferably a Luigi's or equivalent, and then get yourself a tongue depressor, um, and eat it that way. Uh, because that's that's where this show is going is that we're demanding that you do that. Um, before we go off track too far down that rabbit hole. Um, we do have to talk, unfortunately, about a DC United loss, which, uh, unfortunately, there have been a bunch of those, more more than I think we would have liked. Um, DC was hoping to get just their third winning streak of the entire season going uh, because it's been a very stop-start season. Um, hoping to build on a, a gritty home win over the Galaxy, they went to face Vancouver, who came into the game in last place in the West and 23rd out of 24 teams in MLS, uh, and they lost one nothing to a uh, Yordi Reina goal in the 18th minute. Um, this game saw DC, if I'm not mistaken, uh, this was DC's season high in shot attempts. They had 24 shot attempts in this game, uh, but the downside on that figure is that they had two shots on goal, which is maybe less than you would want um we'll get into that uh 
well, you know what? Why don't we start there now rather than stop and then come back to it? Um, ben, the goal scoring woes have been going on for a little while now. Um, and by a little while, I mean most of the season, basically since April. Um, right. And we're talking about a team that gets goals out of Wayne Rooney, um, sometimes spectacular goals. They haven't been able to get much out of anyone else. Yeah, and uh, even Wayne Rooney's spectacular goals, even even though he's the best player on the team, he's not going to pull off a Orlando-style goal every week, much as we might like him to. Uh, and when he's not hitting wonder goals and nobody else is outside of Paul Areola is providing any dangerous chances, it's going to be a problem. Uh, they just haven't, outside of Areola, uh, they haven't been that dangerous this year. Uh, Lucho... Uh, as we've as we know, has not been as good this year as he was last year, but he still needs to be on the field because after he came on in the second half, the team was noticeably better, uh, not good enough over that period of time to win the game, but the team got noticeably better when he was out there. So who knows what behind the scenes is going on between uh, Ben Olsen and Lucho Acosta and how Olsen wants to construct his team. But I think at this point, he needs to be out there because he's a step up from right now from TT Rodriguez or Ulysses Segura and to uh, get off this funk that the team has been in for a long time. Now, uh, Lucho Acosta is going to have to be a part of that solution. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I tend to agree. Um, you know, Lucho came in, he immediately, he had three shots. He had two successful dribbles. Um, he was defensively active, um, winning the ball back a couple times. Um, there was an urgency to his play. So at least he's not, you know, there's this, there's an idea about Lucho that when he doesn't get his way, that he's going to take the game off or um, pout rather than go play. And I don't think it holds up. I don't think it's ever really held up. Um, and it didn't hold up in this game. I would have preferred, I would have liked to see him, you know, he only had the one key pass. Um, I would like to see that a little higher, but overall, I thought he he came in and made United more effective against a team that was playing this Christmas tree formation, the four three two one, where they're just super narrow, super packed in. Um, you need players that can play in that kind of space, and Lucho, if nothing else, can play in in extremely tight spaces uh, and not lose the ball. Um, See, so yeah, I, I I kind of get um Olsen's thought process against the galaxy in a game where you're going to sit back and be direct and looking for balls over the top um and it worked I mean that's how um the first goal happened in that game um and in this game as well they they did weirdly despite Vancouver playing a low block they had a lot of success with um balls that were over the top and maybe out to the wing um especially to Segura but at a certain point this team needed something more up the middle and they just weren't quite getting it until Lucho came into the game. Um, so, yeah, I, I also think, and this kind of segues into our next segment, you know, we're almost, we're, we've been talking about this all season because it's been going on since March 31st. DC's best 11 hasn't been on the field together since Ruan ran into Joseph Mora's uh, jaw back on March 31st. Um, it's been that long since we've seen that group of players. Now, at this for this game that wasn't possible. Russell Canales is still out with um his um after his lung and rib uh combination injury. Um so Felipe was in, but other than that, 
this was an opportunity to get the other 10 of those guys all on the field in the 4-2-3-1 um, all at once. You know, the most comfortable formation, the best players on the team. We didn't see it. Um, instead, we saw Segura on the right, Ariola playing the sort of false 10 kind of role, um, where Rooney's the playmaker and Ariola's job is to make the runs in behind from deep. Um, and look, 24 shots, that's pretty good. That's a sign that... Um, that this lineup worked to a certain extent. The chances were there. I think as much as we're frustrated um, with a lack of significant chances, because DC's 24 shots are not necessarily on the whole, the best shots we're maybe used to see. We're we're used to seeing this team not take that many shots, but to have several really dangerous ones thrown in there. Um, but they do, if you bring up the graphic on this, uh, I'm not going to try and stop the show to count uh, how many happened inside the 18, but most of them did. Um, so that's a that's a plus. It's just um, the finishing was real, real bad. Uh, They're for, all for the right at Crapo. Yeah, right at Crapo or like, a f- like maybe a yard and a half over his crossbar. It was one of those two spots that DC was shooting at. Um, I think there was a stretch in the first half where DC had three consecutive breaks down the field. Um, where the ball got out to Segura, Segura crossed to somebody in a promising spot, and all three of the chances were just not... It's not like Crippo had to make a great save either. That's maybe more frustrating to me is that he's making the saves, but he's also just sort of like, caught it, no problem, guys, everything's cool here. Yeah, Um, he didn't have to make the Bill Hamid-level saves that Hamid made this game, and if United had been able to force him into some of those, I bet at least one of those goes in, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, and so, it, you know, Lucho's absence certainly plays into that. Um, I I guess I want to know, Ben, um, not, you know, we're going to talk about Wednesday's game more. Um, you said Lucho, you want Lucho back in the lineup. Um, with the cross-country trip, with the game on turf, knowing that there's another game on Saturday after that at Philly, who do you want Lucho stepping in for? Um. Well, I, I would probably make a couple of changes, but I think Lucho specifically, I'd bring in for TT Rodriguez and then shift Ariola out to the left. Uh, and I'd probably also start uh, Ola Kamara over Wayne Rooney. And then you can bring Rooney in in like the 60th, 65th minute or something like that, if you need to. Because yeah, that's, that's another interesting spot because Rooney only played 74 minutes. It's one of those rare games that he was substituted off. Um this is coming off of having some sort of upper respiratory thing. It's probably just a regular old cold from um, the hazards of being on an airplane for several hours is that you might catch something. Um, So by all rights, by all signs, that appears to have been the case that he was subbed because maybe he didn't quite have 90 minutes in him. Um, I suspect he's going to start again anyway. I mean, um, yeah, probably. Because DC has got to, they got to have these, this game especially, but you know, you're kind of getting to the point where the East is a couple teams in the East have started to sort of not be terrible. The Revs, for example, um, Orlando and Chicago have suddenly got themselves back into the playoff fight. Um, you, you, I haven't thought about them as playoff teams in some time now, but DC is only five points ahead of Orlando. They're only six points ahead of Chicago. Um, only six ahead of TFC who have a game in hand. So, um, you know, our fears of this becoming 
DC drops down and finishes seventh and then has a road playoff game against NYCFC, for example, uh, and the season ending very quickly in the postseason, uh, they feel fairly solid at this point. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I think Rooney starts um, is, is what I was getting at uh, with all that. Um, but, the, yeah, uh, for me, I, I think as much as it's the simple thing, you know, Acosta for Segura. Segura did his job. He gave a lot in this game. It's not his fault that DC didn't win the game. I mean, he did have maybe their best scoring chance, and he couldn't quite get it past Crepo, so I shouldn't let him off the hook completely. That breakaway that he got, great run off the ball, uh, but an unfortunate – finish that gave Crepo the chance to make the kick save um if that ball that there's plenty of room for him between the post and Crepo's foot range at that point to tuck that one home and he should have tucked it away um and he didn't but that's kind of everyone on DC United for the night had that sort of a uh, finishing problem um I am curious as well about guys like Leonardo Hara um even though he got subbed out so maybe he'll be fresh um Someone like Joseph Mora, maybe, maybe not. You know, fullback is such a demanding job, especially with how high DC was pushing up the numbers they threw at Vancouver. Um, I actually think that the the idea in this game, the approach was pretty solid. It just, uh, you know, they could have used Lucho. That's the thing that I would change about it. But other than that, I mean, they dominated the game um, going forward. They were good on the ball. 60 65% possession on the road and that was like an all game that was that that wasn't a game states thing that was the way things were going before the white cap scored oh um, yeah i mean but when the white cap scored it was by all rights if if soccer were based on uh possession stats and uh a number of shots these united should have been ahead they played far better but that's not how games are won yeah um so it's it's going to be an intriguing lineup. Um, guys like Ariola, Rodriguez, you have to watch for them as well, how long they can play. Rodriguez played, um, what, the last 20-plus minutes, 25 minutes playing as a right back. Um, so that's another curious and if, situation. And if Olsen wants to give either Hara or Mora a rest, I, I feel like we see either Ariola or Rodriguez playing as fullbacks because – the rest of the fullbacks on the team still don't, I, I don't think really have the trust of, of Ben Olsen. Maybe Jalen Robinson comes back, but. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I mean, it's an interesting situation because the, the success he had against the galaxy was against a particular type of team and the Red Bulls don't really play that way. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, you, you can't just send these guys out for three 90 minute games in the, in the dead of August. Um, and expect somebody to not make a mistake because they're exhausted. So yeah. it's a, they're in a rock and a hard place. I think they really, they kind of needed this one to go a different way. It's really frustrating to um, mostly get the approach right, create a ton of shotting, uh, shooting chances, create a bunch of crosses, and just not be able to put the ball in. Um, but in the past, maybe this is like karma a little bit. DC has done this to teams in the past. DC did it to the Galaxy uh, very recently, so... Um, yeah, it's, it's frustrating for sure. Um, what else do we have to talk about? Um, I did want to talk about, um, the defensive midfield duo Felipe, uh, last week played alongside Hara, who is not a defensive midfielder. Um, this week it was junior Moreno back from suspension. Um, Ben, what, what were your impressions of this duo? Cause this is probably the pairing that's going to get, if DC is going to the playoffs, 
Um, if they're going to get a home game, et cetera, this is the duo that's probably going to have to get it done until maybe game 33, game 34. Yeah, this duo, especially Felipe, left me uh, wanting. Felipe's passing has been fine to decent since he's been with DC United, but uh, and he he can he can get in on a tackle, but especially on the first goal, uh, Jordi Reina, uh, uh, well not Jordi Reina yet, uh, a Whitecaps player just bursts past him, uh, and then he tries to catch up to that player and doesn't let him go to. Frederick Briand, who's right there and literally stops that guy's run, but and then he's out of position to challenge Reyna, who just uh, comes in from in the uh, unmarked in the center of midfield and is able to slot that ball home. So the his uh, transition marking uh, did not excite me in this game, and I feel like they're going to be that's how teams are going to uh, break against DC United is through the middle, and if this is harbinger of things to come i'm i'm not very excited yeah the the goal was definitely not felipe's finest hour um it looks like it's russell tybert that gets past him um and it's a situation where tybert decides to run because felipe and moreno are too far apart to begin with um they are you know one is distinctly right of center one is distinctly left of center and the ball is between them um and they just aren't close enough together and they aren't really at angles where they can close that space very well either. Um, Felipe goes for the foul. Um, he goes for the little shoulder grab foul, but he doesn't actually pull it off. Like if you're going to foul the guy, foul him. Um, right. And Felipe normally doesn't need that advice. Normally fouling people has never been a thing that he is bad at, but in this case, he just did not pull Tybert's shoulder with enough uh, vigor to even get the advantage. Uh, the referee did not signal advantage on this, which means he might have let this, if, if Tybert had gone down, he might have let him get away with it. Um, I don't think this was the best referee that we're ever going to see. Um, it's not why DC lost, but I thought he was pretty bad. Um, yeah. And then from there, you know, the ball gets laid back to Reyna and it's, it's still Felipe. He, he, doesn't really react to the fact that he needs to step out and contest this. He stays flat um, rather than getting close. He's not really up in Reyna's face. And that's, you know, Hamid should make this save. Um, I think we would, he, I think he and us, we would all expect him to make this save 99 times out of a hundred, but at the same time, don't let the shot in. Um, And yeah, I, I don't know that Moreno was really at fault here. Um, he tried to come over and get a block in the shot actually, um, gets pat both Felipe and Moreno both have a leg up trying to get a block in, so they they're both trying to get there. But it, on me, Felipe or for me, Felipe just wasn't quite up to snuff on this goal, um, which is a shame uh, because against his old team, I kind of thought we would get a very good performance out of him, and instead it was it seemed more like his team knew the things that he was maybe weak at rather than it being the other way around. Right, exactly. Um, Reyna especially seemed to know how to catch Felipe off guard. Now, for you know, good news, um, other teams aren't going to have that direct knowledge uh, from this year uh, to pull on. So that's good. We don't play Vancouver again. But um, yeah, at the same time, it wasn't today or this game wasn't a convincing debut for that duo. Uh, I think Ben, you mentioned the transition defending was really where it went wrong. Yeah, um, and I, I also I have I'm curious about the idea that it was Felipe playing deeper of the two. He was the one dropping in to receive the ball off the defense. And and on one hand, I think he is the better passer, the more technical player, 
Um, but on the other hand, I think he's got more of a number eight in him than Moreno does. I think Moreno, whenever he's had to play alongside Chris Durkin, who really has to sit deep, we don't see the best of Junior Moreno. He can play the other role, but he's not as good at it. Um, and I think that was kind of the case here where Felipe being the six in this pairing, it, you know, it didn't help Junior Moreno be his best. So maybe in this week, or I'm saying week, like we have a whole week, um, maybe, maybe, maybe tomorrow, right at, at training literally today when we recorded. So training that already happened and then tomorrow's training session, maybe they can, and yeah, I assume film work because you can't do too much training physically. This is part of the problem with a midweek game is that you also can't work out the kinks very much on the field. You have to rely on, the film room because guys can't do the running. You have to give them time to recuperate. Um, but, you know, one way or the other, maybe they can work out some of those issues. Maybe Olsen will switch them, you know, switch how they line up so that it's Moreno deeper. Um, it, it looks like it's a work in pro. I think on paper it could work. It just so far, you know, it's a, it was a C minus effort from the duo and that's probably not going to cut it. Right. And yeah, like you said, you want, Felipe to be the eight to take advantage of his passing higher up the field. And so, uh, yeah, like you said, hopefully it's something that they can, that they can work out. Um, the last thing we're going to talk about in this segment is the two new players that we saw today. Uh, uh, Emmanuel Bo uh, Boateng came on and Ola Kamara came on. Uh, and uh, when I think it was when Kamara came on, uh, those of us, uh, watching on Flow FC, got to hear a, a, a <laughs> interesting uh, uh, rant from uh, Wayne Rooney to the uh, fourth official uh, when he came very, off of the state clear. of MLS um, refereeing. Yeah, whoever placed the field mics, uh, the, the the action mics uh, at BC Place, um, really nailed this one. Uh, the placement of this, they they really nailed it. Um, I don't know how what goes into those decisions, but uh, we got to hear that Rooney was not just in this game, but maybe in every game, <laughs> he's not, not happy with the officiating. Um, but yeah, you know, that was when um, Kamara was coming in. Um, yeah. So I, I thought, I thought uh, I liked the flashes I saw from Kamara. Kamara, obviously he needs to get integrated in more and, uh, and, and play some more minutes, but I was quietly encouraged by what we might see from him over the course of an entire 90 minutes and over the course of the rest of the year. But uh, Jason, what was your feeling about the the two new guys first debut? Um, with, with Boateng, I thought he did all right. Um, I, I thought maybe DC didn't find him very much. He, he didn't get a lot of touches. He played um, 23 minutes plus stoppage time. It just seemed like they weren't finding him that often. And in fact, um, you know, I've pulled up, the, the chalkboard here and it looks like his main um, his main involvement uh, in the game ended up being a he recovered a loose ball and then set up a chance in the 83rd minute um, and that was out on the right so that was I think that was in the aftermath of a corner or something like that where he was recovering the ball and keeping it alive um, on the left wing which is where he was spending the majority of his time that was his position for the night that is his natural role um, you know I, I thought they just didn't seem quite to know how to find him. Um, also, because the game was sort of getting more direct and getting more into the box, it's not. It was one of those games where you'd find him outside and he would be the one serving the ball in, rather than finding him and as the goal scoring threat. Because 
Boateng's not a big guy and he's a pure winger. He's a stand out on the touchline kind of guy. Um, I thought they could have done better finding him, which is, you know, not really on him. It's a new player on a new team kind of thing that's that's going to happen. Um, Kamara, I thought, wasn't very involved um, directly, but this is kind of the thing with Kamara. Um, that happens a lot. That happened a lot in Columbus. It happened in LA when he on the you know, on the occasions where he wasn't playing out on the left. Um, as a center forward, he's not really the guy that you know we're used to seeing Rooney get a ton of touches. Kamara doesn't do that. Kamara's making runs. You're supposed to get in the ball in space, and his most of his touches are going to end up being going to goal kind of things. He's not a guy that completes a ton of passes. He doesn't uh, complete a ton of dribbles. He he wins fouls. Um, he beats people with his off the ball play. Um, and he got into a couple dangerous spots. There was that one opportunity where um, Crippo dropped the ball and unfortunately Camaro's back was, he knew the ball was there, but his back was to the play and he couldn't turn around. He couldn't figure out a way to engineer um, his body shape in a way that he could either back heel the ball on goal or turn around and shoot in time. He just ran out of time. Right. Um, but But he was in a good spot and that's kind of, his job. That's the whole thing with Ola Kamara is that um, he will get into very good spots and he will create goal scoring opportunities as a result of it. And usually when he does, he tends to score. So unfortunately he didn't create an actual goal scoring opportunity. He just was in the neighborhood of one. Um, I will say I don't games that play out like this one are not really his kind of game because Vancouver sits so deep. There's not really space to run into. Um, but he has shown a knack for being a poacher still. He can still um, find those loose balls more often than not. So I think he's going to be the guy that DC signed him to be. He's going to be the guy that he was uh, earlier in his time in MLS. Um, this just wasn't the night. It just wasn't anyone's night. And he did. it's not that he finished badly. It's that he never got his chance to actually take a shot. Um, yeah, overall, not bad. Um I get the sense that one or both of them are going to have to be ready to start on Wednesday, which, you know, like I said, or like I just said a minute ago, it's difficult to really get in the swing of things on the field. When you have these midweek games, Um, you just don't get enough time in training to really work on very much. The team flies back on Sunday. Um, They come in. um, They probably do regen stuff at the stadium before they go home um, after their long flight. You go sleep, you get up on Monday, you're probably still kind of working out the cross-country trip out of your legs. You're not getting a lot done there. So you really have one session tomorrow to really figure anything out. So um, I hope that they figure a lot out. I hope some of it comes naturally. Some of this stuff is just, you know, you, you learn how the team wants to play and everything, but some of it does just come from like, okay, I get it. Like, you don't have to tell me anything more. I, I figured it out. Um and if that happens, then we're going to see some good results because they're good players. But it might be a situation where it takes a week or two. It might take two or three weeks. So hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully we see the results straight away. But it, it's up in the air. Um, they're probably going to play, but we don't know how it's going to go. Fortunately, the Red Bulls don't know how it's going to go either because there's not really a lot to study there. So at least there's that. <laughs> um, I think... Unless, Ben, have you thought of anything you want to say about this one, any, any more about this uh, frustrating, accursed game against the Whitecaps? Like all games against the Whitecaps, I would prefer to leave it in the past. That seems like a good idea. Um, 
on that note, we will uh, take a little break here. And when we come back, we'll have uh, Mark Fishkin on to talk about the first chapter of this year's Atlantic Cup. This is Filibuster. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious, you are. in a I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them, nonetheless, because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. is back at it in very short order unfortunately uh the midweek game is back to haunt us all um they will be hosting the new york red bulls in the first chapter the somehow it's mid-august and we're talking about the first chapter of the atlantic cup for 2019 uh joining us to talk about that game to tell us all about how things are going uh just just a little ways north of here uh is mark fishkin he's the host of the seeing red podcast who are in their 10th season, which makes them one of the only podcasts that I know of that's going on longer than this uh, godforsaken podcast. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's not a contest. It really, it really isn't. We're all uh, doing God's work here, right, guys? I, I'm just surprised. Um, whenever anyone has an episode, I think you guys are on 398 uh, is what Ben's like show. Yeah, whenever yeah. anyone has anywhere close to our number, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Some, someone's been doing this as long as us. I thought we started in like the, the Cro-Magnon era. <laughs> uh, Mark, we have our, our one and only tradition that we've managed to stick to every single episode. Uh, what are you drinking? I am drinking a Jack Honey uh, whiskey, which I'm enjoying very much. Not Sounds bad. great. Yeah, it's a good time for that. Uh, yeah. Late, late night on a Monday uh, when your team – like ours is in the inconsistent form, it's time to un unwind with a, a nice drink. Um, there you go. <laughs> so, Mark, uh, there was one uh, big New York Red Bull story uh, throughout the transfer window. And, of course, Aaron Long was that story. Uh, him, his play, the teams he was connected to, the valuation that his agent said the Red Bulls were putting on him. Uh, did you ever think a deal was really going to happen? And... What do you see as the future for Aaron Long now that now that this whole transfer saga has happened? I mean, uh, Lucho Acosta down in uh, D.C. can show uh, what might happen uh, when a possible transfer is so close and gets snatched away. So how do you think Aaron Long is going to uh, play and feel going forward? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Long uh, moved after the season. I, I think 
the idea that uh, uh, an EPL team, whether they be towards the top of the table or more of an also-ran, uh, shows up and says, we, we would like to spend $4 million on the uh, Defender of the Year in MLS, and that somehow you're obligated to simply accept that evaluation and, and part with him in the middle of the playoff race, I think is ridiculous. And I think that uh, you know, fans don't – this isn't 19-year-old Tyler Adams making the jump to the Bundesliga. This is a guy who came through RB2 um, after being passed over by Seattle and Portland for, for years and has matured under the Red Bull system. And uh, it, it was really the Red Bull development system to a T, right? He was converted by Jesse Marsh from a midfielder into a center back. He developed, he honed his craft in the USL. He won the USL Cup in 2016 with Red Bulls 2, made his move eventually up to the first team, <laughs> named to the best 11 defender of the year, and, and now is applying his trade to the U.S. men's national team. And, and all this at a, at a late age. I mean, he is 26 years old. And so um, it, it goes to show you that there are many different routes to get there. But at the same time, just because a, a team in Europe shows up and says, yeah, we'd like to take this guy off your hands, please, and you'll take what, we, what we're offering, is ridiculous. Um, to ask a team to sink their I – mean, I don't think anyone would be accused of saying the Red Bulls are, are likely to win MLS Cup this year, but uh, I can guarantee you that without long, those chances get uh, much, much longer. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if uh, long moves um, after, after the season and mid-year for, for the European team – uh, for the European leagues, and I think that's totally acceptable. Uh, Mark, I, I've noticed, uh, you know, for, for a lot of our fans, maybe we're not watching the Red Bulls every week, and so there's kind of this expectation that, okay, probably the same old team is going to show up. Um, but up front, there's been a major shift in, in the way things have been this year. Bradley White, Wright Phillips dealt with a, an injury earlier this year, and Brian White has kind of taken over for the most part with a little bit of um, Tom Barlow sprinkled in kind of taken over the, the job up front um, though he did get injured this past weekend. So there is that um, what's happening with, with, with white, with Wright Phillips, what's, what's been going on. Right. So, I mean, the one thing that has been the hallmark of Bradley Wright Phillips time in MLS is not just uh, scoring goals at a an unbelievable clip, but the fact that he's been able to stay relatively healthy during his time in Harrison and down the stretch last year, DWP's production really, really fell off in a big, big way. And then he was injured uh, earlier this year and upset steps, Brian white, who, it, who you can say is a history maker for, for New York in the sense that he's a Jersey kid. He went to Duke, he played at PDA, which mm -hmm. may be the biggest, developer of youth talent in the state outside of the Red Bulls themselves. He used to play against the Red Bulls all the time. Anyway, so he goes to Duke. He plays for the Red Bulls under 23 team in, I guess, what's now USL uh, D2, scores goals for them, gets signed as a draft pick, um, scores goals in the USL, signs with MLS. He's now the only player in, in club history to, to score for both the U23s and the PDL, or rather U23s and the USL team and the, and the MLS team. Um, and White is a true poacher, almost more so than Bradley Wright Phillips. Uh, up until the time that he was injured, 
this past week, he had nine goals on 11 shots, <laughs> which is absolutely unheard of. This guy finds his way to get his body in, in the right place at the right time and is able to convert with his head, with his foot. It really doesn't matter. Um, and he's doing, he's learning a lot of the holdup play. He's 23 years old as a college grad. And I think as, as BWP was working his way back to full fitness, it was very, very difficult for Chris Armas to take this kid off the field because he's scoring every other game, basically, um, for New York. Now, he did pick up a knock. He came out after 20-something minutes against the Reds next, uh, last week. It's really un, uh, unseen exactly what his medical condition is and whether or not he'll be ready to play on Wednesday or on Saturday. Remember, it is rivalry week. And the league has done uh, the Rebels no favor because after we face you guys on Wednesday, we have to go to the Bronx on Saturday. So that that is as tough an assignment as any team has during this uh, league-mandated beer commercial. So it's very, very um, unfortunate for the Red Bulls who are trying to, to, to stay close to the home field advantage line for at least one round of the playoffs. Uh, the team's tightly packed. Anyway, so White has nine goals. The only American players in the league that have more goals than White this year are Josie Altador and C.J. Sapong, and that's that's terrific, terrific uh, company to be. So, Mark, uh, the Red Bulls right now are a lot like D.C. United, uh, both in the standings uh, points-wise, but also the, the consistency of their results uh, recently. Uh, that being to say, there is no consistency in the results right now. It's, <laughs> uh, I think I was just looking. It looks like the Red Bulls do not have back-to-back wins or back-to-back losses since uh, the very beginning of June. So yeah. what has been up with the Red Bulls this year? Are they just beating the teams they're supposed to beat and losing to the teams they're supposed to lose to? Or no, in the it, case it, of like the, actually... Columbus, the Columbus loss, are you losing to teams like no, Vancouver it's... just like we are? You've got it. It's absolutely the opposite. They, they are uh, playing very, very well against teams that are at the upper echelon of the league. They have a win and a draw against Atlanta this year. They have uh, the, the lone win against City so far in the, in the game they've played. They play better teams very, very tight. And you can make the argument that the 4-2 loss at LAFC two weeks ago was a really superb performance. Three of the four goals they conceded at LAFC – we're on a penalty kick and two uh, free kick restarts, headers in the box. They, they let uh, LAFC score only one in, in the entire run of play. And then they'll go out and lose to Columbus or they'll lose to Orlando or they'll lose to Toronto or they'll lose to, you know, your name here, the team below the line. Um, it, it, the, the inconsistency is absolutely maddening. Uh, as you said, they've been alternating wins and losses and then throwing a draw last week against the Rebs. New York should have been up four nothing at halftime in this game. Danny Royers picked the wrong time to, to figure out, uh, you know, to, to have troubles finding the net. And the just the most the thing that's most frustrating about these rebels is they're really doing it to themselves. It, they're just unable to execute in key moments. And as Red Bull fans, we know that that usually happens in the playoffs, not so much during the regular season. Um, but seemingly down the stretch, they've really just kind of waddled and muddled through. And, you know, the hope is with the whole East so tight, they can just get the, the minimum amount of points to stay above the line. They've made the playoffs nine straight years, and this is the first 
signs uh, really that I think there's a concern that they won't make it. Uh, Mark, we, we like I said earlier, we haven't seen the Red Bulls yet this season. So um, I know something that you and I have, have talked about in the distant past on, on Twitter has been the scheduling uh, of these games between these two, the oldest rivals in the league. Um, right. Where we so often are talking about, like, like this game, it's a Wednesday game. Uh, it's in the middle of August. It's this late in the season. So there's no um, past meeting this year where there's animosity already built into the second game. Um, the other game, the other meeting of this, uh, the Atlantic Cup is going to be on a Sunday, which means, again, that uh, fans are going to have a hard time deciding between traveling to the game and dealing with most likely, in most cases, dealing with work the next day. Um What's the the Red Bull side of this? Because I think, um, if memory serves, you and I kind of agreed on it, but it seems like um, a situation that's been going on for five or six years now. Yeah, it, it seems that the league always gives, uh, is seemingly given this rivalry a bit of short shrift. I mean, with with the city so close and so many traveling fans that would definitely make the trip, you would imagine that Saturday nights would be perfect for this, or even a Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, however... At least the first game, I think the the uh, the nine twenty nine game is going to be a flex game uh, that may be picked ah, up by national TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the the Wednesday night game is a national TV game. It's on uh, Uniti, uh, you know, TUDN, uh, which is Univer- uh, Univision Deportes uh, Network. And yeah, I mean, I, I was down there last last year for this game, which was on a Wednesday night. Where, where they had the horrible 90-minute lightning rain delay. Mm-hmm. We didn't pull back in to Red Bull Arena on the fan bus until 4 in the morning. <laughs> and it was really it was really something. So, yeah, I, I, it, it seemingly the league says they want to focus on these rivalries. Um, it, would, it would have been much easier to make the, the city match on the Wednesday night where the fans mm-hmm. literally have to take the path through the subway or however they want to get up to Yankee stadium and flip the game somehow. So this is a game happening on Saturday night. I don't get it, but you know what? I think the Yankees schedule probably dictated that more than anything else. Um, yeah, it's just, it's an opportunity lost. It really, really is. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, we've probably got a similar scenario where the, the national schedule builds, uh, builds a certain amount of, um, a, a skeleton to the DC United's uh, schedule before MLS does anything. It's already kind of like, well, these are the days you can use and these are the days you can't. Um, mm. So I guess we're dealing with that. Um, now that you mentioned, we're probably dealing with the same thing. Um, back on the field, um, it's been a, a, a kind of an odd season for in another way that these two teams are similar. Um, both of us have a uh, an Argentine playmaker who has had a season that's kind of not what we thought it was going to be. Um, Kaku last year, six goals, 14 assists this year. He had the incident in Kansas city where he fired the ball into the stands, hit a, hit a fan, got suspended. Um, it, he's got three goals, four assists uh, at this point in the season. Um, he is playing regularly, but it's not, it just hasn't worked out for him, much like Lucho Acosta hasn't had a good 2019 um, what's what's up with Kaku? Is it is it does it stem back to the Kansas City incident, or is it just a general malaise? Uh, well, first of all, I would say the fact that that Kaku's numbers are way down 
I don't think it's emblematic of his play because after mm-hmm. of the last 10 games, he has really, really picked it up in terms of controlling the attacking midfield, uh, generating key passes. His field vision is superb. I think it's the, the forwards that are really having trouble getting on the end of his opportunities to convert. So, so let me say that. I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of all the off-field Michigas that, that's happened with him over the course of the year, uh, your, your listeners may recall that he, he or his agent or him and his agent were, were wangling for a transfer to Club America mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year, and it was incredibly childish and, you know, you know tweets saying, oh, I, I wish I was an eagle and things like that. Just really, really odd. Um, and, and he was suspended. He was rather he was benched by Chris Armas, and then you know they they seemed to come to some understanding. It really was after uh, the incident in Kansas City when he finally he just let his play do the talking. And and again, um, you know, goal scoring is now for this team all over the place this year, and. The fact is they're they're gutting they're, they're gutting out these one nil, two one two two games quite a bit. So I mean Gamara is is one of the most important players for New York. There's no doubt about it. Um, New York has had something like 16 different goal scorers this year, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is really a, I mean it's a testament to the team. But at the same time, the, the traditional number 10 setting up a forward who converts a pass. This this team is scoring a thousand different ways, and so his numbers reflect that. So, Mark, our traditional final question is: uh, We ask you to uh, step into Ben Olson's uh, fashionable sneakers, and uh, I come on, man, this is uh, <laughs> you know, for for a New York guy, I, I think you know, <laughs> my beard just popped. I mean, come on. <laughs> Okay, yes. His Captain Caveman bare feet. Yes, please tell me. <laughs> and we ask you to, uh, with, with your knowledge, uh, uh, game plan uh, what Ben Olsen should do to uh, provide victory over the, the New York Red Bulls. How to beat the New York Red Bulls? Yeah. Yes. So it, it's three little words, and it's over the top. Uh, New York, as you know, they press and they press and they press some more. Um, the teams that have been successful hit diagonal balls over the top, switching the fields because New York's um, wingbacks are usually pushed up so, so far you can gain a numerical advantage that way. Long and Parker uh, both got paid in a big way in the offseason. Their seasons have not equaled anywhere near what they were able to accomplish last year, where along with Amir Murillo and Kamar Lawrence, they were the best defensive unit in the league. Uh, I don't know exactly whether it's because they are uh, not in an option year and not playing for their next contract, but um, it's just not working out right. They're, they're just not – they're allowing four goals. They, they lose concentration. They're not putting together a complete game. So that's what I would do if I were Ben Olsen. I would send speedy wingers and hit them from the opposite side of the field uh, knock down a ball, and um, just like Gustavo Bo did uh, this week with um, with New England, that that's how you beat the Red Bulls. Perfect. Uh, that sounds like something that DC could do. But you know, as as is kind of a theme of this episode, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Um, 
we don't really know what to expect from either of these teams, which is kind of making it a weird one. Um, Mark, before you go, um, if you want to tell your list or tell our listeners um, where to find you, uh, this is a good chance to do it. I am sure that all the DC United listeners out there care dramatically about hearing about a Red Bull fan and from, since 1996 and where to reach him. But you can find me <laughs> on the, the Twitter at, at Mark Fishkin. Our show is at Seeing Red NY. We've been doing it for 10 years. We're going to continue doing it, even if this uh, playoff streak comes to an end. And I would only hope that you guys are having a similar amount of fan angst as we are, because every week this fan base tears itself apart trying to figure out what's wrong. Is it the coach? Is it the players? Is it the GM? Is it everything? And uh, it, we're, we're dying here. And we're in fifth place. And we have no cup. So okay. just, I can't even imagine what you guys are going through. Except uh, for the cups part. It sounds like you're doing a DC United podcast. Yeah, yeah okay. It sounds, right. kind of, it sounds kind of like for this year at least that we're kind of the Spider-Man meme come to life. <laughs> um, just a, at every level, every time I think about these two teams, they, they're just exactly the same in so many ways this year, and and not in a fun way. We're all we're both we're all very frustrated. So, um, I guess that's a good note <laughs> to end a show after uh, after losses. Um, hey guys, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Mark, thanks for coming on. Um, for folks at home, uh, you know where to find us. Um, what is it? What, what are the, ben, where can we be found? I've already forgotten. At Filibuster DCU for the website. Yes. Uh, filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. You can uh, subscribe to us on Patreon. Uh, that's how we keep this show going. Uh, and I think that's it. So for the absent Adam and Jason, I'm Ben. Say goodbye, Jason. I can't believe I got stung in the back by a wasp. Okay.